How are you, buddy? Episode 8 of the Campbell's Gambles podcast. Hope our audience members have packed a pair of goggles and flippers because it's about to be wet and wild in Sydney, or it already is. You've escaped up the coast. How is it up there? Unfortunately, not too much, uh, not too much different, <laughs> unfortunately, but um, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's getting, it's getting ridiculous at this point. There's too much rain on the East coast of Australia. Um, so I think I'm going to pack my bags and move to Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Very interesting. <laughs> might, spend, <laughs> might spend some time with Mr. Benta. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah, just uh, trying to trying to stay out of trouble, trying to stay out of the rain. Nothing too much, really. Just been, you know, watching the Greyhounds. Had a nice winner last night with the young Dixie Gambles. She just continues to to churn. Electric. Out. She's yeah. electric. She just continues to churn out wins. She's she's the best dog in Rockhampton and probably Townsville. So, uh, got to get her down to down to Brizzy and contesting a Group Three race in a couple of weeks' time. So. Maybe she can a bit be a bit like one of your selections later on in the two rack. Come in with that with that picket fence and surprise the big boys in the big stage. But um, anyway, we'll head now into as we always do last week's little recap. Um, and it's not a little. There's four group ones we got to quickly touch base on. First one, we we'll head down to uh, Melbourne. A bit of a surprise in the Turnbull Stakes. Well, judging by the reaction of some, it wasn't much of a surprise. But considering it was twenty to one. And never had raced at Group One or Two level. Smoking Romans is now a Group One winner. How did you see that race? Great race, really, really great race. That was an exciting one to watch. But um, yeah, I don't know. I was a little bit disappointed. I backed Smoking Romans the start prior, um, so you know had a little bit of a bit of a fill up there, but didn't follow it up into the Group One, which now, in hindsight, looks like a, a poor decision. But yeah, big odds. So uh, congrats to anyone that. That did follow it in, but no, it was it was a great race in my opinion. I loved it. Not fortunate. Yeah, no, it was a it was an interesting race. They looking back at the figures on the Monday morning, they absolutely crawled. So I think that would probably be a um, representation of the win that it could possibly surprise a few because if you look at the the first four across the line, they had probably some of the worst. 12, 10, 10, 8, 8, 6, 6, 4, 4, 2, 2 finish off the entire race. So I think you can be very forgiving of those horses that were further back in the field. Um, I thought our selection, Jewess, was was a bit disappointing. Um, not sure where to now for her. Caulfield Cup, obviously, but not sure if I can follow her off that run. Um, I guess there was a few Smokies in behind with with Gold Trip and, and Lunces um, running well. And um, anyway... Um, any horse to follow out of that race moving forward? Out of all the runs, I probably I didn't mind the run of Inspirational Girl. I thought she, I thought she just sort of hit the line nicely in between horses, right over the line there. So, I mean, nothing, nothing major, but yeah, one to just keep an eye on, I guess. Yeah, too easy. All right, uh, let's head to Sydney now. Three Group Ones were run and one, and Zoo Gotcha. She can. 
at her third win to the board and she's got to get tipped out for a nice spell. We got the money there, Blake. How did you see that race panning out? Well, before the race even started, why on earth was – like I'm, I don't think I saw an expert tipster on any platform going with our selection. I, it was just – it seemed like across the board everyone was with Fireburn. In my in my was I no. misled? No, like, well, I think that that I think that explains the drift because Zugotra actually opened up favourite on Wednesday afternoon. She was I think correct. it was sixty versus two eighty or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the 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 closer she got to the race, the further she got. To, she got out to like four dollars eighty fixed price yeah. for the race. And realistically, the race was done at the three hundred. She she put the she yeah. put North Star last to bed, and Fireburn was off the bridle. And, I just can't believe how they completely thought Fireburn was coming out of the strongest race when Zoo Gotcha had already beaten in secret where Fireburn didn't even get anywhere close to in secret in that race. But exactly. um anyway, yeah. I guess that's happened a few times where it's just been a bit of a bit of a head scratcher that we've actually been on the right side of with, with Eduardo mm. weeks ago and, and now now this one. Obviously we'll be, we'll be on the wrong side of one eventually, but um <laughs> Good stuff, Blake. Well done. We'll we'll, we'll power through now to uh, right back at you, champion. Right back yeah. at you. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thanks, mate. No, she's a nice filly, and I reckon she would go really close in the spring champion if they decide to keep mm. her forward. But yeah. they're yeah. they're going to tip her out now, which is you know I you know probably do the same thing to be honest with you after. Yeah, she well deserved for sure. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move now to the Epsom, and that was geez, this was a very interesting race. We were. We were pretty much completely wrong, but um, definitely the most exciting race of the day, considering it was probably mm. 10 minutes until the, the result was finally known. Yeah. Uh, how did you see this race pan out? I thought I thought the grey horse was all over the win at 300, and he just didn't – maybe fitness gave out late, and bloody Ellsberg, who I've been wax lyrical about twice on this episode and this podcast, and I, mm. no way in hell I could have backed him on the weekend, and he comes out and wins a Group 1 race. Yeah, I – um. <laughs> That was uh that was a pretty pretty phenomenal performance by Olsberg, I thought. Um credit to him. Like he's his his two runs back, like admittedly they weren't bad. They were weren't bad at all, really. Like he was he, he didn't sort of get well, I mean, yeah, he, he he encountered like very minor interference, I guess, first up and and he hit the line all right. Um and he was only like one length off Kiku and Mr. Mozart there and then that third to surf dancer and old flame, although it wasn't, you know, anything to sort of harp on about. It wasn't a it wasn't a poor run either. He run third and um third up he's he's got the cash. Um I yeah, I but the fact that yeah, like you said, top rank looked like he was gonna go straight past and didn't. I think that's a credit to Ellsberg and and the fight that it's shown. So good on it. Yep, one hundred percent. Uh now last race, Metrop. I got the chockies here. There's a few, a few unlucky runners. Um, mm. I feel like if no compromise had have lost the race, he would have been one of the more unlucky runners, considering he had to chop off hills a few times and and only got going late. But um, I thought Realm of Flowers was geez, that was some run. She was she was posted the entire and only goes down ahead. How did you see this race pan out? Yep, uh, bit bit stiff for Stockman as well. I thought. No compromise took the gap and, and chopped it out a bit there and then it come again to run fourth sort of up the inside of no compromise. But um, by the time it, it actually got going again after it sort of got chopped out there, the race was was all over and and 
they were just fighting out, you know, for fourth place or whatever. So, um, will it have won, would it have won the race if it didn't get that interference? Probably not, but you know, is what it is. I, I'm still, I'm still confident the horse is going really well, and and that fourth placing still, uh, sort of stands to suggest that it is, uh, especially with that minor interference. It, it, I'm confident it could have run second, um, or or third, um, had it not encountered that that interference, but. Yeah, I mean, big run from no compromise to get up, and yeah, Realm of Flowers is good too. So there were a lot of good runs in the in the race. Yeah, don't think there was much between any of those runners. I think it was just pretty much the handicaps that that pretty much got mm. Scotland. Really, he was three kilos off no compromise. So um, that was pretty much the result there. But anyway, we'll move now into the first segment of our episode. Thanks to Kanye, play it, son. Uh, all the money that we make on this show, the appearance fee goes to Kanye every single week. So Blake and I are starving and, and living <laughs> on noodles with Democracy Manifest. But take it away for us, Blake, with uh, Flashing Light Runner of the Week. Um, you've gone for a few stayers. I have. Um, and the first of these I thought was quite clearly for me the best run of the weekend. Um in terms of a flashing light style run, it, it you had to kind of look in look into the race uh, a little bit to to notice it. But Vow and Declare, wow we, wow we, um, I thought I thought that run from Vow and Declare was was absolutely enormous. The way that the way that it sort of nosed its way into a gap that was barely even there, and then just fought on right through the line. Like you watch. You watch the replay back, you see the entire field basically coming back to to Val and Declare and a few others that were working home as well. But the fact that Val and Declare was able to pick itself up um, and, like I said, knows its way through that gap that was barely even there after running 2,500 metres, I think, is uh, is a very, very um, sort of good stepping stone to suggest that he's going to continue running well uh, into the prep. Um, obviously, he's a, he's a Melbourne Cup winner, so... Uh, it's good to see that he's seemingly back on track and going to have a fruitful preparation by the looks. Yes. Well, you know what? I'm going to disagree with that runner, by the way. I, there was, I'm not sure if that's pocket talk from yourself, but there was a lot of people on Val and Declare on the weekend. And despite him being unlucky, I thought the second horse, Francisco Gardi, was easily more unlucky than what Val and Declare was. If you go and watch the replay at the 800 metres, the horse dead set ran, ran on hills of the second last horse. Craig knew it almost fell off the horse. He lost like two or three lamps of momentum and he was pretty much out of, out of the camera shot. He then goes on to about the 400 meters held up, held up, held up. And then for whatever reason, the last 200 meters, he just decides to pop out and the horse absolutely motors home with the fastest last 200 meters of the race by a considerable margin. And yes, he did have the momentum, but, Geez, if, if he got out 50 minutes earlier or if he didn't get, uh, I guess, if he didn't run on heels in that race, he wins that race easily. And um, but that's how I saw it. If you're taking Vian de Clare out of that race, you've got to be taking Francesco Gardi. Like, they're both, they're both very unlucky in their own right. But that horse wins easily if it didn't encounter those two things. But um, anyway, uh, my flashing light runner of the week is Mars Crusader. Um, 
I, I think he's realistically the reason why I've got him as my flashing light run of the week is because we all know where he's going. Uh, I think currently in the futures markets, he's priced to even place in an Everest is a bit ridiculous. I thought of, despite them all finishing sort of bunched and lost and running, running out of his skin, Marzu running out of his skin and fighting back off the canvas, thought Mask Crusader was the one there that is still has a lot more improvement. His coat's off. He's still very, very fat in, in certain regions. Um, and I, th I think both runs preparation have been absolutely phenomenal where there hasn't been a stack of speed. This Everest coming up in a fortnight, there is going to be absolute blistering speed as there normally is. There's some of the selections of, I'm scratching my head why they're even in there, but I don't think it matters to Mars Crusader because he's got to be back last. He's got to need luck, but he ran second in the Everest last year. I think he's going as good, if not better, with further improvement. And this race does shape as a bit of an easier race this year. Has to beat Nature's Trip, who is obviously the best sprinter in, in the world, and he's probably going as well as ever. But I think $13 to win and $4 a place is ridiculous overs. He has to be second favourite, in my opinion. Yep. I fully agree with that, 100%. So, yes, as Blake does, he watches the yard. I watch the yard, and I think we can both agree. Marzu and Lost mm. running a lot more forward than what Mark Crusader is. So for Definitely. him to only be running half a length off them on wet tracks, yep. if we get a dry track or even a soft track come Everest day, watch out. Mm. Watch out. Agree. Too easy. All right, let's move now to the first race we'll be covering, and the only race we're covering at Randwick, and that's even if we even get there, because it's going to be 23 <laughs> degrees and it's pissing down. Um, rails at eight metres, currently a heavy 10. I think there's about 40 to 50 millimetres of rain forecast on Saturday. I don't think we get to the Silver Eagle, but anyway, race eight, 1,300 metres. Mr. Mozart currently heads the market, $3.70. Um, I guess my question to you, Blake, is which one of these will handle the wet best? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's the that's the crucial question, isn't it? Um, well, Mr. Mozart's shown that he, I mean, to date, is probably the one that will handle it the best, which is probably part of the reason why he's up there uh, as favourite, I think Waterford will handle it. He's not really been tried on on a bottomless track per se, but that run up Rose Hill um, beating Mahagoni was it's as it reads soft six, but it was definitely a wet track, and um, and he's bred to to handle the wet. So I think Waterford will will go well. Um, but like the thing is right. On Saturday, if it is well, it's already it's already a bog track, um, and it's just going to get worse. If they end up if if the if the meeting gets to this race, I don't think I don't think half this field will be be running realistically. Um, and I and I think the only horses that do stay in are going to be the ones that will sort of handle it. Um, if you want to if you want to say that, but it's <laughs> it's almost going to be a a, a lottery. Uh, I think when when the when the track gets that bogged, it's it's it really just does turn into a bit of a lottery. Um, so it's really not a race that I'm super confident to to play into, um, particularly with the unknown of whether it's even going to get there, and if it does, what horses come out, what's the sort of bias and all that sort of drama. So yeah, it's a it's a bit of a sit and wait, and uh, probably watch for me. Yeah, I have to agree with Blake's last statement there. It's going to be very hard to bet into any of these races, despite this one, any of them, um, early days at Randwick, because if you do, you've got to get absolutely, you know what, with deductions. Um, 
unless you're getting big overs on something, then I'd probably just tell you, if you want to back Mr. Mozart, there's no point taking 350 now or whatever he is, because mm. you'll probably get even money by, by race day of the deductions. But um, I've sided with Morris's Madad. I, I was really looking for a horse here on, on the quick backup. Um, a lot of these horses, I think yesterday I was at Canterbury and the theme of the day was horses that could sit on speed. Uh, Blake's made this point, uh, this case a few times this, this season with Randwick favoring horses that can settle handier to the speed. Um, and I think with wet tracks, that's only, um, amplified, um, due to possibly kick back down the nose, down the mouth, in the eyes, X, Y, Z. Uh, it's much easier to sit on speed or close to the speed. It's very hard to make ground up. We'll start spinning. It's just a million and one things can go wrong. There's just no horse on a quick backup here. I would have loved a quick backup horse. Um, so I, I kind of, I don't, I'm not going to put, put a line through Mr. Mozart, but it does concern me that he hasn't had a run in a month and he's drawn wide and he's going to be working. I know his wet track form's good, Um but sometimes even the best wet trackers, you can sort of throw their bloody form out the window if they're not fit. Um, so I'm with Morris's my dad. He ran two weeks ago, which I guess has got to be good enough. I thought his effort was pretty good behind Fine Point and, and Sabark. Um, his wet track form is very spotty. Um, he's failed miserably a few times, but he's also run second in a group three race on a heavy eight at Randwick over the 2000 meters. Um, he's a horse that did go, forward to a derby over the 2400 um and this is a 1300 meter race however i think it's just gonna be a survival of the fittest and the horse in the right spot he's drawn the one if the inside holds up he's probably gonna be in the right spot he's got to settle handy and i think at 26 dollars, you could probably go worse than having a, a few dollars on him um but yeah pretty pretty gloomy day at randwick mm, yeah yeah i agree i think just to sort of Analyze the race a little bit, even though I said I probably won't play into it. If if the track was in any sort of state for racing, um, my selection would probably be Star Tontes. But with the with the way the track's gonna be, like guaranteed, it's just gonna be completely butchered by race eight. I don't want to I don't want to confidently go near Star Tontes because there are other horses in the race that will handle the wet better than she will. Um, Mr. Mozart and Waterford being the two that I'd probably lean the way of. I agree with with uh, Morris's me dad. Um, and there are probably a few others that if they don't get scratched down sort of towards the bottom of the market, they'll probably handle the wet. I think Kissam's a horse that um, that I'd probably trust to at least run decently, but it is first up as well. Um, Lock Eagles is a similar sort of case. It handles the wet for sure, but um, what's its fitness level sort of going to be at? Um, but yeah, that's that's the way I looked at it. Star Tontes was my on topper, but that that was on a on a track that I'd actually be confident playing into, and this is not going to be that. So no bet for me. Too easy. All right, we're heading now to the JC trifile. Uh, no luck last week. I thought thought she ran well, perfect proposal, but she just got beat by what looks to be a very talented filly, and they. They did go very fast in that race and she did fight off the canvas. So I think she, she'll win a race, whether it's next start or the or, or the start after. I think she's a filly we can follow. Um, but just to report, no trial file this week. It's dead set. Kembla Grange is a heavy 10. The, the chances of that getting going ahead is the chance of me finding a bloody missus. Um, nil. <laughs> and and Randwick, geez, good, good luck if we even get to race one, the way that the amount of rain that's still meant to hit and it's mm. the heavy 10 already. 
Um, so I'm going to take the week off there because I don't want to be tipping tipping you something down down south where I haven't really done all the all the trials. But um, we're heading out to the Hong Kong highlight, and uh, you have a horse with a, a with an aptly named name name name. Yeah, I uh, I do, and <laughs> I thought um I thought I better I better find one because yeah, Jason's not gonna not gonna have anything in in this bloody weather, so I, I better have something for the punters to uh. <laughs> To cheer on, but we're going to uh to Sunday, Shartin. Um, it's a it's a bit of a mixed meeting with the uh the all weather taking up half the half the races or about half the races in the card, uh, ten race card. But there are a few big uh big enough races on the day. I believe there's a class one race. Uh, it might be race three, is it? Yeah, race three. Uh, on the dirt, winning Dreamer, Campione. Keep you warm, silver fig, grateful heart, majestic star, and we the south. That's a pretty talented field, uh, even though it's only seven horses. Um, Campione's got Zach Purton on, and that's probably the horse that I'd lean the way of um, early days for that field. Uh, we'll touch on as well last uh, last week. Super wealthy got up in that feature race uh, last Saturday. It was, um, which was tipped as well. And Oriental Smoke got the. Got the brace in the next race, so we got the double up there. Um, super wealthy and Oriental Smoke cashing in there. Um, we're going to race one on Sunday, number seven. Yes, we can. Uh, Pertin aboard again. I think there's a massive advantage you can sort of capitalize on, or sort of a massive edge you can capitalize on with with Marrera being out uh, lately. Pertin's basically got the right to pick whichever horse he wants to ride in any race. Um, and, and uh, he's, I mean, as long as he provided he's on a horse that's actually, you know, worthy of being the price that it is, which in some cases is, is, is not it because obviously the pertinent factor has to be sort of taken into consideration. Sometimes it's over uh, or considered too much. Um, and the, the price of the horse is, is undervalued, but, I think yes, we can is a is a horse that can win. It's got gate one. It's got great all weather form. It's run second already, uh, returning this season, and with Zach Purton on from yeah, like I said, gate one over the sixteen fifty at Chartin, uh, that that starting point it pretty much heads straight into the first turn, so you won't have much time to find a settling position. But uh, that'll definitely play into the hands of yes, we can. He'll be able to take up a, a pretty solid position. Uh, towards the front of the field and there doesn't look to be too much pace in the race so i wouldn't be too concerned about any of that drama uh, unfolding so i think yes we can's a pretty safe play uh, i'm just not sure what price you'll get and like i said if it opens unders then i wouldn't be touching it but i'd definitely take anything towards the three dollar mark or better beautiful I i'm trusting that you're watching the program on saturday i thought i got a message about 10 minutes before uh, i can't remember what race it was but um from a, a good friend of mine who gave me a, a Shane Dye tip. And, oh, geez, Midori Beauty, ex-Australian galloper. Did you watch that run? Oh, my God. I don't think I've ever been so stiff in my life. <laughs> oh. I, from memory, it was late in the late in the, in the card, was it? Yeah. Oh, I was on it. I was on it for a stack. <laughs> mm. it, it, it led in all of its trials. And over the 1,200, it misses the kick three lengths, goes to the rear of the field, gets in there, 
is absolutely bolting on the turn. And I'm like, this thing's already, he's lost, miskicked three lamps, can't win, possibly. And he whips out to the middle of the track, absolutely lets down of a ripping turn of speed. And the last 50 metres, he runs off the track and runs second, beating the nose. I could not believe my eyes. Oh, my God. Honestly, watch that replay. If that horse doesn't <laughs> out, I don't know what does. Because I, I thought that was I, was, I was, I was, I'm actually shocked that it wasn't the flat, uh, the, the Hong Kong highlight this week. But anyway, or the, or even the flashing, the flashing, even I, even, even JC, the Hong Kong formula. Ah, uh, no, we'll see. I wanted, I, I wanted to put something in the highlights that, that was coming up because yeah, I knew you wouldn't correct. have anything for them. So I thought, no. yeah, better, yeah, help the battlers out. Better stick to the tips. Plus, you know, we had a, we had a win last week. So I'll keep the ball rolling. Correct. Punters are, punters correct. are cashed up. They're ready to, ready to, uh, are really happy into the Hong Kong weekend. highlight. It's two from two to start the season. So, All right. Well, uh, maybe that's one for you, a little short ball from JC Midori Beauty. Maybe, maybe next time, similar race. I think he should be getting cash off that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we'll move to Caulfield now. We'll go down south. Track conditions, weather and bias: fifteen degrees. Showers forecast the next couple of days. Days. Rails in the true position. Tracks currently a good four, possibly a soft six, considering there's up to fifteen millimeters of rain uh, forecasted tomorrow. Um, Caulfield track patterns. What do you expect, Blake? Uh, I expect I'm expecting a pretty fair fair bias. Uh, obviously, like you said, rail true. Uh, I don't think it'll matter too much to be honest. Where where you are in the run, um, obviously, less ideal to be sort of well three wide is never ideal, is it? But um, apart from that, I yeah, I don't think barriers will will play too much into it. I don't think you want to be dead last. Um, it's obviously never ideal either, but apart from that, I, I can't really see there being too much of a bias. Can you? No, no. Well, Corfu's been playing pretty fair recently, and I, I think if there is any bias there, it, it's one that we've come accustomed to over over years and years of watching races. There, I just think you just want to be on horses that you know can can settle handy or can settle further forward than midfield. You know, you don't necessarily want to be on. It's not. Let's. I don't think you get deducted by being on back markers, but I, I'd certainly. Mm just typical racing sense. You'd rather be on horses that can lead than, than get back and need luck and need tempo and need X, Y, Z, a good ride too. So um, anyway, I'll just be looking for horses that, that look to, mm. to map well enough. So anyway, I'll move in now to the first group one of three group ones, and that's race seven over the 2,000 metres, the might and power. Uh, really interesting to see Animo down south uh, for the first time since he's very unlucky second in the Cox Plate last year. Um, he's currently $2.50 with most bookmakers. Pretty simple question here for myself, Blake. Are you with Animo? Well, you gotta be, don't you? I know you are, so I've already seen your I've already seen your right your uh your selection for the race, but you gotta be, don't you? Yeah. Well it's fair to say now with the mayor gone over in over in the Francais Gallops, he's he's the best weight for H horse in Australia. We've already established that Zaki can be one of those horses that shows up when he wants to and not that he doesn't. He, he never runs a bad race, but he's not he's not ruthless, <laughs> if that makes any mm. sense, to punters. Um, where where Animo is starting to build a really really imposing record: eighteen starts, nine wins. Um, he's a winner over the sixteen hundred meters at this track in the Caulfield Guineas, and that was probably the win that put him on the map. Draws barrier three here. James McDonald's coming down to to ride him. Obviously, um, he's had the option to ride pretty much any horse in this race if he wanted to. Um, and he's chose Animo, which is a good leg up. Um, 
finds a lovely spot in running gear, probably box seats realistically. You probably have alligator blood finding the rails, Zaki sitting outside him and and nonconformist who you'll probably make a case for shortly and Animo um sitting on that second line. So I think he's going to be terribly hard to beat. And I think 250 is a pretty fair price and exactly where he probably should be. Yeah, yeah, fully agree. Um, you, you gave me a nice little segue to just touch on nonconformist as well, though. Um, I, I'm not anywhere near declaring him or saying that he's a sort of a great chance in the race, but I just sort of took the perspective that if, if, he is going to turn up this preparation. It needs to be on Saturday. And if you sort of look at his, look at his sort of preparation along a timeline, this is the race where he needs to sort of turn around his value in the sense that if the horse, if, if any horse is running well in its preparation, it, it starts shorter and shorter in the market. And obviously the same happens when a horse is, running poorly in a preparation and um now that non-conformist is getting up to the 2000 meters drawn gate two it's looks like it's going to get pretty much run of the race i'm happy to have you know something on him at 61 dollars just to say that if he doesn't perform doesn't show up on saturday done and dusted won't worry about him for the rest of the preparation because this is the race where if he is going to show anything either on Saturday or later in the preparation, you'll get a glimpse of it here um, with with the setup and, and like I said, getting up to the 2,000 metres. So there's definitely worse you could, worse horses you could back at $61 odds and, you know, he's, he's got to beat a very, very handy field of horses here. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just that mentality that I had, I think, at $61. Yeah, you might as well just have a go. Uh, this Saturday, and then you know, if he if he doesn't show up, then just set and forget. Don't worry about him the rest of the preparation. Yeah, well, he he ran second this race last year, beating a pimple to a very smart mare in Probabil, and and beat Zaki home at, at twenty to one. So, as Blake mentioned, this is probably one of those races that it it necessarily wouldn't surprise me if any of the, the this lot won because I don't think there's a lot between them. I just think Animo is the best, but I don't. It's hard to explain. It's hard to explain, especially watching them last week. Like Alligator Blood went over the 1,800 metres. I thought that was a bit of a surprise. So mm. him now winning over 2,000 metres, like, oh, just can't really see yeah. that. Yeah. I think realistically, though, like, there's a, there's not a lot between this whole field if you take Animo out. But the way Animo has looked, like, it, it was lame winning <laughs> the George Main. Yeah. And and Hinge, and Ice Bath and Hinge have come out and run third and fourth since in another big race. Like I I I I think if if, if Animo's fit, like surely he won't be lame again. But like that that first up win as well. I remember saying after that first up win, Animo's not going to lose a race this preparation. And um, I mean if he does, then then you know fair play to whoever beats him. But I still can't see it happening re- realistically. Like he's going to start favorite every 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 race for sure. There's not a horse that will start favorite over him, um, and all he has to really do is is maintain the consistency and keep showing up, um, which he's done so far in two starts, and I and I think he'll do again on Saturday. Lovely. All right, now let's move into the three year old race in the program, Group One feature for the babies, Caulfield Guineas over the mile. Godolphin looked to go back to back in this race. 
um, with Golden Mile, hopefully following through with Animo's success for my sake. Um, but you're opposing Golden Mile. You, you're with the second elect who's been one that, remember I came to your house a couple of Sundays ago and we were speaking about young Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I have a little bit of an opinion of this horse uh, and it's developed as, as I've watched him just consistently sort of improve with his performances, I think. And, and that last, that last win last start, I thought was electrifying. Um, I, I, I think he's the horse that sets up with the, the sort of racing style and that turn of foot explosiveness to be able to win a guineas. And that's the only reason that I sort of went his way instead of golden mile, who's coming out of a, a pretty tough golden rose run or a very tough golden rose run realistically from gate 10. And, and although he looks like he's going to sort of, well, he, he is definitely going to get a good run in the race from, from gate five. And um, with that sort of little bit of tactical speed that he does possess, I think uh, well, I, I know sort of looking back at recent iterations of the race, it's taken a horse with, with that explosiveness, um, and that sort of wow factor in the straight to to be able to win the race. I remember one of my one of my sort of uh, defining memories of the Guineas was that that Super Seth win, where like it honestly could have been ten meters from the line, and you would have put money on the, on the other horse to beat it, and it somehow still got up. Um, obviously, the Autumn Suns won this race. I think what four years ago now or something, um, and the Autumn Sun was sort of possess the same sort of uh characteristic that that explosiveness i think golden mile has that to an extent but i just the way berkeley square came through the line and and found that gap late to win last start i think that was just the thing that the the factor that uh that pushed me into him obviously getting a little bit of a better price as well um and given i don't think there's going to be too much between them that's that's just the way that i learned yeah, you mentioned the autumn sun. I think I have to let him go because he's he's still the theme song to this podcast, which is a bit bit sad. Show, shows how how far I have not um, Keep him, keep him. You got to keep those memories alive. That, yeah, yeah. I'm do. telling you, that horse should never have been retired. Oh, there'll never be another. He could win on speed. He could win off speed. He could win at twelve hundred, oh, two thousand. What would he have done? What the, on earth? He was done? one of those horses of old. You know, one of those old mm. schools. I'll speak to some of my mates and whatnot, and they say, "Oh, these these horses that used to win over a thousand, and they come out and win over twenty four hundred. You don't really have that anymore. You you more so have the mm. the you know the defined milers or the or the long distance mm. horses or the sprinters. You know, they're sort of split. Yeah, into the very very rare, very elegant. Yeah, very has been sort of the recent one, and and now Animo's sort of potentially doing the same thing. We'll see how he goes later in the prep, but it is very rare. And when you when you when you get get the opportunity to witness a horse like that, you just have to you just have to admire how how talented they are, really. Correct, and I don't think Golden Mile quite um, is at the level of that, but I don't think he's too far off last year's winner, Animo. I don't think he don't think he's that far off quality wise. Um, I thought his win in the Ming Dynasty was was absolutely phenomenal. Um, Pretty much sectionally wise and and, and style wise was completely uh, similar to 
in secrets win. And then she obviously went off and started a very short price favorite in the golden rose. I thought the drift on Kim doesn't concern me at all because I thought that was just purely due to the barrier he drew and where speed mappers expect him to get to. Um, I had him on top then and I, I can't not be on him off that run. I just yeah. thought he was on speed ridden. I was very surprised when he went forward and I wasn't necessarily happy to be completely honest with you because I think he's one of those horses where you just want to conserve all energy and just let him let him rip. He's not. It probably doesn't um, possess the explosiveness that Blake mentions with Berkeley Square, and I have to agree with that. But I think he's one of those horses that can build a really long, sustained run. Um, and I, I think he will do that this time. I think James McDonald won't lead this time. I think he'll get a a much hotter tempo, and he can sit off the back of it. Uh, you might look at that 1400 and, and say, well, he didn't finish it off and how's he going to get a mile? But I think it's a completely different beast. He just traveled into that race so well. Like at the top of the straight, I thought he was going to win by a couple, let alone, you know, win the race. And But he ended up running fourth somehow. So uh, has to be the right form line too. Has to be. I have to agree, Berkeley Square is the main danger. And if if you don't have those two in your in your top two or three at least, you're probably dreaming, to be honest with you. Um. But, you know, Jack and I was just brilliant in the Golden Rose. And realistically, if, if he didn't go to the Everest, he'd probably be an even money favourite in this race. And that'd probably be very justifiable. All right, that was our Caulfield Guineas wrap. Good luck to all the connections of horses. Always a great race, the Caulfield Guineas, and definitely one of the highlights of the Spring Carnival. Let's move now to race nine, the two-rack handicap. Blake and I, we love our Group one mile handicaps always throws up a bit of a roughy results. And judging by your selections, Blake, you might have a roughy to to convince the viewers of how it's got to win. That made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> you just take it away, buddy. The dance floor's hey, hey, you spat it out. You got you got there in the end. But yeah, no, I uh I am looking for a bit of a rough result here. So um Fingers crossed, but there are a couple down down the page. Um, by order of the market, in market order, down the page. Oh, mate, I've caught your disease. What are you doing to me? <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's, there, there are three horses in particular that I'm looking at that I think are, are setting up relatively well considering their prices. Uh, those three are Halal, No Name Lane and Character. Halal, I thought, uh, is well, I'll start with Halal. It drew gate 14 in the Rupert Clark, and from there, it I mean, it jumped all right, it, it typically does jump well, but then it had to go back and then it was caught wide and it ran on all right. It, it only it only ended up finishing four lengths off the winner, but that was on a heavy track as well. There were just way too many things that went wrong in that race, and considering it started 10 bucks there, now it's drawn gate two. Craig Williams is aboard and it's 26 bucks. I, I don't think there's any way you could argue that it's not worth a bet. Um, you know, if there are other horses that you prefer, then fair enough. But for me, Halal's overs regardless. Um, no Name Lane is is a bit of a an alternative approach to, to looking at this race, I thought. But that picket fence is well-deserved. Uh, this I've actually been watching this horse its last couple of starts. Um down at Morfittville uh, in, in South Australia, and, it, and it's been running really, really well. That Seymour Cup win was was big, uh, winning from the front. I'm not sure 
Well, I know that it's going to get a good run. I'm not sure if it's going to sort of be leading or if it'll sit too wide, uh, maybe sort of one out, one back position. But regardless, it's going to get a good run here. And and similar story to Halal at those odds, I think it's almost definitely overs given the run it gets. And and typically uh, in two racks, you have needed a run like that to win. So no name lane definitely is is overs for me, and I think it's the best roughy considering it's it's what third outsider of the field. Uh, I know Jason, you're going to make a case for a horse that's a similar price as well, but I just think that's the right approach. Uh, look at a couple of horses that are that are big prices. So I've I've done that, and the last one that I'll mention is Character, who uh, who who ran zero point seven lengths off Visionari, but it maps similarly as well. I think it's going to get a good run and. Given a lot of these favourites and uh, horses that are short in the market don't map as well, um, I think that those three are definitely horses that you can look to play around either, you know, each way uh, or if, you know, I mean, if you've got the guts, back it on the nose, go for it. But, um, yeah, definitely for exotics and, and each way plays, uh, definitely horses to be looking at. Yes. Before I get into my tips, I, I want to have no disrespect whatsoever to, to the favourite, I Wish I Win. Um, very, very smart, capable horse. I uh, just thought the 250 was a little bit short and probably priced on potential more than anything else. Um, and considering the run it's probably going to get and the luck it's going to need, I don't think it's something I necessarily want to step into. Um, and from there, I've decided to play... I wouldn't say necessarily value with my main selection, the race, but um, Tuvalu, I thought he was really good first up. Um, Call sign Mav obviously won the race, but he had the run under his belt and it was a heavy nine track. So uh, I think if you pretty much give the run to Tuvalu and you or, or the track's a little bit drier, then it's probably a different result. Uh, from barrier one, he's going to enjoy a lovely run on speed. Uh, I wouldn't say there's... A gr there's speed, but I wouldn't say there's a great deal of speed. Um, it just really depends what what your one of your selections, no name lane, decides to do. Um, but I think regardless, if they don't decide to lead on Tuvalu, it's got to get a lovely drop on on them. And if the track is playing, you know, as it normally does play, and it's not chopped up on the inside, then I think that's going to be the runner with fifty three and a half kilos going down a kilo and meeting Cool Sign Mab two kilos better off the weight. I think that's going to be the 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 horse to beat. Um, and main factor with him, just the drier track. He just hasn't necessarily gone super well on heavy tracks. I know he'd be going into that race, he was one from one on a, on a heavy 10, but uh, just I've always thought he was a better dry track horse or at least soft track horse. Um, but I, I want to make a case for for an old friend, an old foe, Dallasan. I, th I thought he was good. I thought he was good in that Rupert Clark. He had to carry 58 kilos, so he was a top-weighted horse in that race, and that was one of the main reasons why I wasn't on him in that, in that race. And I thought his run was pretty fair. Um, the heavy nine track certainly didn't help him. He's had five starts on it on a heavy track for nothing. Um, but he drops two kilos here and he, and he meets two blue better off at the weights. He meets call sign Mav better off at the weights. And that has to be the main form race. Um, he's gone well in this race in the past. Um, he's gone well in, in many handicap mile group one races, as we've already as, as I've said for season after season on this show, and realistically, as a six-year-old hentai, he's probably going as good as ever. Um, he won he won the namesake race, Leon McDonald Stakes, first up at Morfittville when when sitting wide the entire. And um, from barrier twelve, he's probably going to enjoy a bit of a tough run. 
But if he finds a spot up to the 1600 meters, I thought he was the one going through the line as, as good as ever and finds a dry track, 1600 meters, $34. I think I'm going to have a bit of a squeeze at that. Mm, definitely. I, I, yeah, I thought that run last time by, by Dallas and was pretty good as well. And, and it's when it more deal was well overdue, I think. So who knows, maybe he can, put two uh two wins on the board in this preparation and finally get a group one correct all right too easy we're gonna go now into the group one strategies and uh the group one competition i have hit back and it's probably the first time in 50 episodes that i'm actually in the green other than starting the actual season which doesn't technically count generally i'm in the in the silver and gray with the zero dollar next to my sign so it was good to get Zoo Gotcha up. We got the 420 SP and um, 50 each round, no compromise, which when it was speak on the show, it was like 10 or $11 and I only got my $6 SP. So it's been unfortunate there. But regardless, I got the plus 65 and, and Blake pegged back last week a little bit more. So he did a good job, made 120 profit and he's down to 272.50. All right. Might and power stakes, very similar by the looks of it. Yep. Yeah, I've gone. I mean, the obvious one is is Animo. We've already discussed this, but yeah, I think ten each way on nonconformist uh, is is the right play. Just just given uh, its preparation and the setup for this race, uh, like I said before. Looking to slightly nudge out Blake here in the first race. One hundred the win on Animo. Guineas. Guineas. I'm going fifty each way. Uh, Berkeley Square for reasons already outlined. I like that play. It's, it's a pretty straight back play. You might get your $50 back if he runs second or third. And if he wins, then can't see how he doesn't run top three, to be completely honest, I'm, I'm yeah. barring bad luck. But uh, anyway, I'm looking for Godolphin to go back-to-back -back in the group ones at Caulfield on Saturday with Golden Mile, the three-year-old Colt, looking to follow up Animo's win in the Might and Power and follow up his win in the Guineas in the previous year. So 100 the win. Turak, you've yeah. gone, you've gone, you've split your action. I have uh, definitely the right race to be looking around for a bit of value. And uh looks like you agree with me. I've gone 20 each way on Halal as the main one and then 15 each way, no name lane and character. I've gone 40 each way on Tuvalu. He's got to be my main play in the race. Uh, probably more on a place line. I think, oh, I don't know what he currently is for a place, but I considering he's $9 for a win, I'd say it's probably between two fifty and $3. I think that's a good a good price considering he's probably got to get an absolute dream run. And I've had a sneaky $10 each way on Dallasan. Uh, you probably got to get about $5 a place. And he's yeah, currently around that anywhere between 26 and 31 to win. So I thought he was funnily enough, probably the eye catcher out of the, out of the um late main lead up race, the Rupert Clark. So 10 each way Dallasan best bets, Blake, anything, anything in the black book that's simmering away for the punters on Saturday. Um, I actually haven't had a, much of a chance to look through the black book, but I have had a bit of a chance to uh, have a look at sort of the the rest of the cards. I guess um, there's just there's just an absolute mouth watering card uh, in Melbourne and in Sydney as well. But the Sydney one's probably going to be washed out. There are a few horses. There are a few horses running in Sydney that that I will have my eye on, but. Nothing that I could confidently tip as a best bet, just purely on the the way the track's going to be. But 
down down south, Old Flame is is running in race two at Caulfield, and given Ellsberg deadheated for a um, deadheated for an Epsom there, I think I think the form around Old Flame now, well, it definitely looks really good. Um, it's run second to second to Surf Dancer, and it won uh, first up. I think it's going really really well this prep and. It's looked great in the yard. If it looks the same, I think it wins that race um, fair and square. Palel in race six as well is the other one that I want to touch on. Uh, you, I'll ask for your input on this, Jason, but my opinion on this is I, I personally have no idea how Palel is not shorter in this race. Uh, maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, well, it was it was very good. First up, uh, I don't think you can read too much into that result. Nothing made ground the entire night. And realistically, it's probably one of the only horses to make ground. Goes up in trip. Uh, fitness, I guess, under his belt. Best jockey in Australia on board, possibly the world. Actually, that's a bit too far. Let's just say Australia. Let me not get too controversial <laughs> here. And and Barrier too, and he's probably got to endure a lovely run. Um yeah, there's 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 a few good horses in this race. I don't think ingratiating is up to his ability, and I guess mm. Zoo Style leads, but Zoo Style should realistically just run cover for him, and he should just come down the outside and go whooshka. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just think like Zoo Style's. I mean, probably the one that would be the the, the closest danger, I suspect. But the twelve hundred, the the eleven hundred meters um, versus the one thousand is definitely less ideal, and and although he did run. Uh, third in that group one that Cool and won in their last start. Palo run sixth and and obviously like you said the the, the bias on the day was phenomenal really. Um, and now that you've got Queen of the Ball, Queen of the Ball is not going to be mucking around. That thing will go forward in the boats drawn the widest gate. That thing will go forward. Oxy Roads drawn gate one. It's not going to let up the lead too easily. So there's there's enough pace in the race that. Palau can just sit right behind it, I think, and and pretty much do what we thought he'd do in a group one at Mooney Valley. Now he's got an extra 100 metres at Caulfield. J-Max sticks. What, like, why why should he not win this race is, is the ways that I'm sort of reading into it. Yep. I have to agree with you, and I think you'll probably find him on my tip sheet come Saturday morning. Uh my best bet for Saturday currently, and I'm just going to say this, I hate the highways. Blake loves them. Used to love them. I'm not sure if he still does, but I hate them. I have I hate them with a passion. Can't remember the last time I tipped a highway winner. Probably when I followed one of Blake's ones about three years ago. Um, <laughs> but I had, there was a horse by the name of Williamsburg who I mentioned on this podcast last week as my best bet. And he had a very similar profile to a horse that I want to mention this week. And that is by the name of Jalmari. I think this horse, pretty much in my black book on the 24th of September, I literally wrote, crying out for a drop in the weights and a wet track over the mile. What do I get? I get 56 and a half kilos, goes down 6.5 kilos, gets up to the mile, and it might be a wet track. It's only a heavy 10. So I get everything I'm asking for. I'm currently getting $8 on the tab. I got on last night, $10 and $3.30 to play. So it's trimmed in a little bit, not from my money, but obviously someone else <laughs> wants it. Um, Amy McLucas won the highway a couple of weeks ago. So she's a very, um, I guess, well, I wouldn't say very, but, but she can ride a winner in town. Let's just say that. Um, 
And if you look through this horse's record, he's 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 raced in some really good company. He's actually they actually put him in the Group Three Carbine Club, where he ran second to Straight Aaron, who's now in Hong Kong. Not sure how he's going. Blake can maybe tell us how he's going. But he runs second in the Group Three Carbine Club on a heavy nine at Royal Randwick over the mile. So that, if that's not good form, where he gets exact same conditions, I don't know what is. And if you just look at the horses that come out of that Rose Hill Highway, he meets them all pretty much predominantly anywhere between five to six kilos better off the weights. And his run was as good as them. So um, I'll be very shocked if he doesn't run top three. I think he wins. I think he wins. He's declared it. He's declared um, a runner in the highway. How's it going to go for him? Oh, it's disgusting. I can't believe it. But if you watch his runs as preparation, he's been absolutely – I think he's been going great, this horse. And his coat looks terrible. Mm. He's still not – He's still. he wasn't 100% last week. He's getting better. But mm. um, Nice type, though. Nice type. I, I, I think it might have been two starts ago when he ran ninth uh, over the 1,400 that he, he was he was pretty well in the market that day as well. I mean, he ran very, very – well, he ran much worse, much more poorly than I thought he would. But um, I did have my eye on him that that time. So, given given I've had my eye on him at all, is you know in a highway is <laughs> definitely worth noting. Correct. All right, bike. Any plans for the weekend? No footy to watch. Guess it's just horse uh, race. There's not F1. Well, what is I there? Mean, What's on? Yeah, there is. There is F one. Thank, thank the Lord. Uh, the Japanese Japanese GPs on. So. Uh, Max Verstappen, I think, can seal uh, the championship by winning one more race, and there are plenty to go. So it looks like it's almost definitely going to happen at some point. Uh, whether it happens on Sunday night, we'll we'll find out shortly. But lots of Premier League action, uh, A League resumes as well. I don't know how entertaining that is to anyone else. It's not. <laughs> it's not usually very entertaining to me. But when you're when you're struggling for options, you've always uh, got the A-League there. And um, I think Bathurst is on as well, isn't it? Yes. I'm well, I'm not too sure. Like, I, I, someone mentioned Bathurst to me a couple of days ago. So I'm, it must be this week or next week or some week. But mm. um, sorry, when you said A-League, I just fell asleep. So I didn't really – I fell asleep from that point onwards. <laughs> A-League, come on. Yeah, 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 I had to stick clear of that. I was putting myself to sleep. Um, <laughs> yeah. NFL, I need to mention this because this is disgusting. Betting underdogs in NFL is is it's a hack. It's honestly proving, a hack. I've proving been, lucrative this year, Blake. Oh, ridiculously lucrative. Like especially throw in like throw in a couple of uh receiving receiving markets or, or rushing markets for um for a couple of the the sort of big targets uh for the respective teams. Wow, we it's like it's just it's a gold mine, really, back in the underdogs, uh, in the NFL. So, if anyone's interested and spends a bit of time watching or looking at the NFL matches, definitely have a look into the underdogs because I have been and it's been successful. All right, that'll about wrap us up. Thanks once again, Blake. I think the the listeners will be really they're probably gone by now, but. If there was any, <laughs> then they would have got some valuable information on the NFL underdogs. I would, I'd like to see, I'll give you some homework for next week's episode. I'd love to see the statistics on that. I'd love to see what the 100 games played this year, 65, 35, or whatever the hell it might be. I'm going to dig them up. 
I'll dig them up. I think that there's I used to use a thing called CBS, CBS Sports, whatever it's called. And they generally give give you statistics on the line and um sorry, the spread and the total market and what they are and what teams are hot and cold and XYZ. Anyway, that will wrap us up, Blake. Best of luck to you and best of luck to listeners. Huge week of racing once again. I think I sound like a broken record by now. Um, and, yeah, back a winner because we won't be. <laughs> we'll try. We will. We will. We'll, we'll back, we'll back uh, Animo 250. A man can dream. A man can dream. A man can dream. All right. Too easy, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Take care.